Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Every five minutes, someone dies while waiting for a compatible donor heart, liver, or kidney. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists strive to engineer an animal with human-compatible organs, thereby saving millions of lives. But these ancestors are not the docile herd animals they envision. Instead, the project spawns something big, something evil, something hungry. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler is available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Realm presents Machina, episode 10. Code Overload Magazine, Embedded Reporter Lifelog Entry 1125. Hey, Code Overloaders. Well, it's been a very exciting few minutes at the IARPA Antarctica facility, at a secret location known only to the final two contestants in the Marsite competition, to get our asses to Mars with the help of a fully functioning artificial intelligence rover. What do I mean by exciting? Well, Devlock's lead programmer, Bharath Das, looks like he's about to puke up a lung. Watchover's CTO, Stephanie Basque, just hauled ass back inside the test site, ghost pale. And your man on the inside, Hiro Watanabe, has a front row seat for all the action. We're in the giant cold room they call Antarctica, and shit is going down. I only wish I could be live streaming this to you, but the terms of my deal with the IARPA head honcho Dr. Wynne Mallory include both me not leaking this until she signs off on it, and also her not disappearing me into some federal prison in the upper Midwest with six-foot-thick walls and no Wi-Fi. So, I'm just going to pretend you're out there and hope for the best and think about my eventual book deal. Let's do this. We're up on the observation deck of the super-secret... I mean, very temporary IARPA testing headquarters. Still on U.S. territory, though the penguin colony a couple kilometers south of us might disagree. There's a big view screen that gives us eyes on the ice fields where the AIs are working, and down below us, the opaque dividers between both finalist teams, Devlock and Watchover as I predicted, have been dropped and the doors opened. They all have identical consoles, constructed to eliminate any chance of cheating, but the setups are completely different. Watchovers is in a circle, and not many people are sitting at their desks, while Devlocks looks like ye old ground control, with rows of workstations and a whole bunch of sweaty, panicked people rushing around, trying to not trip over the temporary cables. There are a lot of cables, man. It's old school here. Information is pretty much amber screen text. Who knew IARPA still had amber screens? The AIs are sending back data still, but it's gotten really... weird. At least on the Devlock side. Not to mention that the view screen for Devlock suddenly shut off. From where I stand, I can tell you that Dr. Mallory and her team are watching their handhelds tensely, but it's obviously gone to eyes-only security meaning they don't want me to see what the Y3 is doing. But I can tell you what it did. A few minutes ago, the Devlock rover dropped into its build like an octopus. I mean, I've never seen a robot get that small and fit through a space that little before. I'd been making all those jokes about Devlock's size obsession, and wow, they sure fooled me. But not that long after, a whole lot of shaky cams started on the view screen. And the local penguins... They went freaking backwards, man. It was like seeing a YouTube video in reverse. I can't tell what's happened since, but it's bad if they shut the screen off and let Watchover's people come across the team barrier, and they have. You'll recall that Watchover's had some... turbulence over the past few weeks. That's putting it lightly. But given what's going on, I'm happy to say that everyone's on the field now. 
Genius coder Cameron Davidson and the talented Tama Fakita are rigged in and tracking the watch over Swarm's progress as much as the primitive setup here allows, while standing by to answer Stephanie Basque's questions on the devlock side. This is the weirdest code challenge I've ever seen. If I wasn't very clear that the two teams hated each other, I'd say they were trying to work together all of a sudden. I mean, everyone who made the journey from Devlock, and they're all in corporate gear head to toe, it's a little creepy to think that they had Arctic wear prepped to go like that, but they did, is crouched over their own controllers, including CTO Trey Lowell, and, strangely, Watchover's co-CTO, Stephanie Basque. On a good day, watching an AI challenge is a bit like being a spectator at a high-tech sailing race. There's not a lot to do except hope nothing crashes. Unless you like crashes and then you're hoping everything does. I'm on the side of nothing crashing as I want the best team to get us to Mars. I hope you are too. I mean, what is this all about? Survival of the human race? Helping Earth recover from all the damage while getting us off-world so we can try to start again? That's all about working together, and if that's what it takes, I'm sure Watchover and Devlock can get it done. But I'm still rooting for Watchover. I can say that now, as they're my employer. Whoo, suck it, freelance gig! Ahem, right now it looks like both teams are still occupied with the habitat building test, though there's definitely something weird happening with Devlock's output. The tests require both teams to build a livable underground environment for Mars settlement without disturbing much of the surface or destroying the local habitat. They kicked off a little over two hours ago, and the robots and drones are definitely working fast on their selected sites, though not anywhere we can see it thanks to IARPA shutting off the view and going eyes only. Thanks for that. Instead, all we can see is ice and sometimes a little steam. Not very exciting. Certainly nothing like stowing away on a... Oh, yeah, wasn't supposed to mention that. So... While the rivalry here has been a big part of the story, and obviously something is going down that no one wants me to know about just yet, I want to remind everyone who will eventually be listening about what's at stake. Survival. Everything important that's happened to get us to Antarctica, and everything that is going to happen today, is all about making AIs good enough and autonomous enough to get us to Mars, even if it's kind of frustrating for a little... Oh, wait... Something new is happening. Dr. Mallory's team has just rushed the Devlock side. They're down below, pulling data from Devlock's big AI feed. Mallory herself has got Trey Lowell backed into a chair, and she looks really very angry. And lead Devlock programmer Das just bent over and puked into a Devlock-branded trash can. Damn, things are going fully pear-shaped. I'm going to try to get closer. And transmission. Repeat what you just told me, Denise Cho ordered her colleague, keeping her expression calm and her eyes level with director Wynne Mallory's narrowed gaze. She'd hauled Baroth over to where Wynne had Trey cornered. Down on the floor, Baroth Doss wiped his mouth on his sleeve. Wynne's stomach recoiled in sympathy. The Y3 is not behaving according to design parameters. Denise shook her head at him, as if she knew he was lying, or trying to cover his ass, or protecting Trey Lowell? Probably the last one. Whatever it was, Denise wasn't having any of it. Wynne lifted her handheld, at this point the only view of the Devlock site. She touched the panel, and a grainy black-and-white image appeared, showing the robot, fully extended, deep in the tunnel, two long arms digging farther into the continent than the speck required. I'll say it's not. It's already at required depth. If it goes any deeper, it could tap some of the volcanic regions down there. This is well beyond speck. I know. We are working on it. Trey's barely controlled panic made Wynne stop and stare at him in shock. It gets worse, though. Look at the other side of this thing you built, Mr. Lowell. At the same time as several arms were digging, more arms were starting to pick at the roof of the new habitat, reaching for the ice shelf above. This thing I built? It's a team effort, Dr. Mallory, and I ARPA signed off on every one of our reports. 
You're in it with us, Trey said, his voice turning cold and defensive. Wynne pinched the bridge of her nose, thinking of how much money had gone into getting these two groups here. She would not let him pressure her into a response. Tell me what is happening then. Is it sabotage? Can the test be salvaged? Everyone stared at Baroth, waiting for answers. Devlock's programming manager cleared his throat. The Y3 is behaving in a manner that indicates some aberrations. Baroth choked and tried again, murmuring, Mars, all I wanted was to land my coat on Mars. He started again. The AI is comprima... Stephanie Basque, CTO of Watchover, began to answer. We are not sure it's Saba... But Trey stood up quickly, his arms outspread. Of course it's sabotage. Our AI behaves strictly according to parameters, unless it's been messed with. We'll fix it. We just need a little more time. Pause this test. No one can pause this test, Mallory growled. Entitled jerk and liar. Not without destroying it. There are enormous sunk costs. The generals will... She could imagine already what the generals and the people behind them would do. They might not be as focused on the odd details as her own team had been, but the individuals who held the keys to win Mallory's career, as well as to the success of the Mars AI program, would certainly focus on a massive hit to the bottom line, and they'd feed her to the angry senators as fast as they could. No, there was no pausing the test. No matter what, Wynne drew herself up to her full height, appreciating that she'd brought her big heels to Antarctica, and looked down her nose at Trey. She didn't imagine it. He flinched. You must control your AI so that we can proceed. If you cannot regain control of your AI, you will stand down and forfeit. In the next few seconds, Trey's face went through a remarkable set of micro-convulsions that only Wynne and Stephanie Basque were close enough to see. They looked like small earthquakes to Wynne. Fine. Trey regained control. Then he turned to Baroth. Tell me the damage. Baroth stumbled again. It's like nothing I've ever seen. He finally got out, looking between Wynne and Trey. The AI is destroying where it had just started building. If it manages to reach the volcanic vein, it will reduce the area around it to... Slag, Cameron Davidson said, brokenly from behind Stephanie. Your AI is going to red goo the entire Antarctic. Shut it the fuck down. Now. It is not going to do any such thing. And you are trying to make us lose. Trey shooed Watchover's lead programmer away. Basque, see to your people. But Wynne was already shaking her head. I don't buy it. You knew something. You're sweating. In the Antarctic. She turned to Baroth, locked eyes with him. Show it on the big screen, Wynne ordered. The view screen came out of eyes-only status. Even as the images resolved... The Devlock Y3's destructive behavior in the habitat began to impact the surface. A hole opened in the ice, much bigger than the design specs allowed. Cracks began to run out from the hole. Though still small, the appearance of it on the clean surface of the test area took Cameron's breath away. If they didn't focus on the present too hard, they could see the entire Arctic's chain of volcanoes getting triggered by a runaway AI and the entire planet paying the price for a few developers' hubris. That's what it was, really. Cameron covered their mouth with their hand, smearing their lipstick, and burped quietly as acid began to eat at their stomach lining. It's happening again, and they might not be able to stop it this time. E has an emergency kill code, but there's no such leash on Y3. There's something wrong with Devlock's code, Stephanie said, ignoring Trey's glare. I learned about it a few hours ago. I didn't say anything. We were working together to sort it out. She shrugged as Dr. Mallory glowered. Shoot me. I thought I could fix it and the test could continue. But I believe we can stop this before it gets any worse. 
We have to... Cameron! Stephanie gestured them toward the Devlock consoles. Cameron's hands shook. But they took a deep breath and leaned over the console next to Baroth. Baroth's resigned sigh was audible. That will invalidate the entire test, Trey protested. No one knows AI better. No one codes faster or better. And Cam is familiar with the base code, remember? Lakshmi replied from where she sat at her on console. And your test is the last thing you should worry about now. Look at what's already happening, Trey. Stephanie sent me the simulation outcomes. We only have 30 minutes, maybe, to stop this. Straighten up. Trey deflated suddenly. You're right, of course. The purpose of the test is to get to Mars, to save humanity. That's what we all promised to do, right? We should all be working together. Baroth cleared off a seat at the Devlock consoles and gave Cameron a keyboard and screen access. After scanning the code for a moment, Cameron groaned. I don't understand. Who the fuck would add code like this? It's... Christ, it's practically growing its own ontological looping structures. What were you thinking? Can you fix it? Stephanie interrupted Cameron's rant. Not without at least a week to prep. This is fucking impossible right now. Cameron looked back at their own workstation over on the watchover side of the dome. All the work we did to move on and we're still cleaning up after his... Where's your kill switch, Trey? Cameron stared daggers at their former boss. Tell me you have one. Trey slowly shook his head. We didn't think we'd need it. Fuck. Let me assist, Baroth said, still looking like he might be sick again. The man swallowed hard. You take lead and I'll supply background. We can try to fix this together. Here, I'll show you the insertion point and what we think's happening. The manager's hands flew over his keys and Cameron leaned forward, squeezing their hands together. This was redemption or failure time. Stephanie took one look at the two coders hunched over their screens and ushered everyone back. Someone get them coffee. Ginger ale for Baroth. Already on it. Nor, with Hero following close behind, arrived with steaming silver IARPA mugs and two cans of soda. The scent of freshly ground beans, perfectly prepared, filled the workspace as Nor placed a coffee mug next to Cameron and squeezed their shoulder reassuringly. How could Nor make perfect coffee, even in Antarctica? She's amazing. Great. Dr. Mallory brushed a hand over her jacket, smoothing the gray fabric as she gathered her thoughts. Then she turned to Trey. Your staff is saving your ass. So is Watchovers. Later, you'll tell me what really happened. Trey blanched. Leave him be, Stephanie said, shocking Mallory. You heard what he just said. We're focusing on now, on Mars. We need him too. Give me a view of the code deck too, Cam. She slid into the cold metal seat next to them and was soon as hyper-focused. While the others watched, the three programmers, occasionally tossing a question at Trey and shaking their heads at the answers, pounded the old-fashioned keyboards together, working in tandem. At one point, Stephanie absentmindedly took a slug of Cam's coffee. Wow, that's good. Cam noticed Nor smiling into her hand. The thrill of it was... They felt even more focused, rather than distracted. Cam was determined to solve this. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. But as both teams worked to solve the puzzles hidden in the code, 
The Devlock AI picked up speed. The hole in the ice grew by a factor of ten, and spiderweb cracks spread out from there as destruction below increased, moving in the direction of the leading edge of the penguin colony. Wynne caught herself pacing, twice. Her heels were loud on the station floor. Everyone else wore keens or hiking boots to go with their arctic gear. Mallory had made the decision to run the test as formally as possible, but right at this moment she was wishing she could return to her quarters for quieter shoes. After a tense thirty minutes and two refills of coffee, Cameron looked up. That could work. Yeah, Stephanie agreed. Baroth nodded as well. I'm feeling confident. Yes. What? What could work? Trey lurched forward, but Denise Cho and Lakshmi caught his arms. Let me go! The AI is mine! I get to make the final call! The crowd around the workstations was making it hard to concentrate. Cam waved a distracted hand to clear everyone away. Let them work, Wynne finally said. You've done enough. On screen, three of the AI's long construction arms appeared out of the ice hole. The dark metal tentacles grasped and pulled the ice inward, collapsing it. Beneath their feet, the IARPA temporary station shook slightly. We need permission for an emergency upload, Barath said, immediately. When we do this, any potential win will be default, Win eyed everyone in the room before finally stopping on Trey. At this point, the best we can do is save the test process, not Devlock. Seconds ticked by. More of the AI's arms appeared out of the ice hole. Yes, I understand, Trey reluctantly agreed. Permission granted. Use access upload code 57553, Dr. Mallory said. Cam took a deep breath, closed their magenta-lidded eyes, and pushed the keys. Every person in the temporary station stopped breathing for a moment as the upload transmitted. How will we know it worked? Hero asked. One of Wynne's assistants shushed him, but Stephanie Basque turned in her chair. We won't be dead, she replied. The reporter and post-trial documentarian looked like he was going to faint. On screen, one by one, the giant construction arms paused mid-air, then thudded to the ground. They lay still on the blue ice. The cracks around them began to refreeze in places. No new data from the Y3, Baroth said, staring at the console as if daring it to begin scrolling again. The room cheered, all except Hero, Cam, and Noor, who stared at the big view screen, at the small circle of destruction, and then at the big, damaging construction arms that splayed powerlessly on the ice field. Cam swallowed and let out a shuddering breath. You did it, Wynne heard Nor whisper. Cam, you stopped it. You saved us. Okay, everyone, take a break, Dr. Mallory said as cheers and whoops still echoed around the room. Hands off keyboards. Hero's loud cheer was the last to die out. The room quieted, as if the air was being sucked out of it. You're talking like you need to preserve a crime scene, Lakshmi protested, while E is still running, still on the job. That wasn't quite true. E had finished its task. It was posting diagnostics. Lakshmi really wanted to see E's data, but more than that, she knew every member of their team deserved to see how the drone swarm had performed. Watch over, you can stay at your posts. Dr. Mallory agreed. The watchover team quietly moved back across the workspace, their colorful fleece jackets and sweaters a contrast to the tired looks on their faces. Devlock's team, especially Baroth, didn't protest as they were herded away from their desks by Dr. Mallory's assistants. Trey stood by the workspace door, staring out the triple-sealed window at the snowfield. It's not a crime scene. We're just seeing what's what, Dr. Mallory said slowly. With both hands, she repinned her hair, then smoothed her suit, took a deep, calming breath. I'll need to brief the generals shortly. 
One of Mallory's assistants plugged a storage drive into the main Devlock console. Both teams tensed. Even though they knew documentation was the right procedure, everyone felt the Devlock developer's pain. The programmers didn't like what Trey had done at all, but, for Watchover at least, these were former colleagues, comrades in arms. Across the gap between stations, Tama whispered, It'll be okay. Cam put an arm around Nor. It will, they said. Nor leaned against them. Dr. Mallory paused, thought for a moment, then gestured to an assistant. Before we do that, let's see what E's done. On the big screen, so everyone can watch. The screen lit up and slowly took focus. The challenge to build a habitat far enough underground that humans would be safe from radiation, but carefully enough that the surface wouldn't be compromised, and comfortable enough to allow for long-term occupancy, had been complicated, with several independent decision cascades required of the AIs in the middle of the build. E's response to the challenge was gorgeous. No, more than that, it was elegant. The drone swarm's solution both addressed the system requirements to the letter and exceeded expectations. The IARPA drone cams swooped through the build, revealing a warren of spirals that offered places for private work and rest, as well as collaboration. There were hydroponics from the previous builds, set up in hanging gardens next to tiers of... Stephanie gasped. Scrolls! Books! E made us a library with hanging gardens. Nor couldn't take her eyes off it. Preserving humanity isn't just about our bodies and our offspring. It's about our cultures, our history. That wasn't in the spec, one of Mallory's assistants murmured. It is now, Mallory countered. Throughout the habitat, fine touches and attention to detail showed an understanding of human wants and needs that went far beyond the basics of the spec. In one area, the ceiling sparkled with LED stars. In another, a communal kitchen awaited occupants. On the surrounding tables, ease drone swarms had carved game boards, chess, checkers, go, cribbage. I could totally move there, Thomas said. So much, so fast. That's a little scary, Trey said. Hero shushed him. It's genius. Then he paled when he realized who he'd silenced. Looking over E's work, a smile broached Dr. Mallory's stern expression. All readouts show life support operating. Cam smiled too, relief evident on their face. Stephanie and Lakshmi quietly low-fived, but their eyes gave away their emotions. Both women looked as if they'd discovered gold. I'd like to send some images to our CFO at home, Lakshmi said, with permission. They won't go beyond our NDA circle. When Dr. Mallory nodded, Lakshmi took a few quick photographs and began to type out a text. The big screen continued to pan across E's work. In the small image-in-image held in the upper left corner, the Devlock build site was pure destruction. Above, giant holes ripped in the landscape. A nearby ice wall had cracked in the resulting instability. Below, the habitat had been left by the retreating AI with only basic spaces for human occupation, its walls and ceilings roughly clawed and scraped by the long, sharp tools the robot had created for itself. The resulting unevenness threw terrible shadows wherever the drone camera's light hit them. And in the middle of it all, a deep pit yawned, dark shadows, surrounded by white. It didn't make it to the volcanic vein, thank goodness, Barath Das murmured. He still looked green. The drone camera's gritty view of the underground area showed walls still spilling silt. The damage was keenly felt, especially in contrast to E's work. No one could look at it for long. But in the tiny quadrant of video where Y3 was cordoned off, Cam pointed to unexpected motion. A slight shift of a dark construction arm. Another. No, they whispered. 
How? Baroth said, as the Y3's arms began to pick at the surface of a nearby ice cliff. A construction laser fired haphazardly, and then focused on the same cliff. We stopped it. Not enough, Lakshmi whispered. She put down her phone and found a seat at a console, waving the IARPA assistants aside. Every programmer in the room scrambled for the nearest console. It didn't matter which team they'd been on. They all had one goal. Halting the destruction. Stop that thing! Now! Denise said. Destroy it! Wynne Mallory shouted at the same time. Issue the AI a self-destruct command! She handed Trey a tablet. Don't argue! Trey typed a command, entered Mallory's code, then his own, and sent the order. Done. For a moment, the entire room held its breath. On screen, the robot paused. An arm creaked. Then another arm extended up out of the hole, pulling more of the AI's main construction units with it. Inexorably, the enormous machine began once again to pull and saw and laser the landscape, this time on the surface. It's not responding? To me? Impossible, Trey said. It always responds to me. That little droid's going to cause us a lot of trouble, Cam deadpanned under their breath, even as they turned, jaw clenched with determination toward the console. I won't let this happen again. Hero put a hand on Cam's shoulder. This is our most desperate hour. Help us, Obi-Wan. Humor was Hero's way of venting stress. At his words, Cam chuckled weakly and got down to work. I hope your department has something more powerful here for defending the perimeter than some plastic walls, the IARPA master-at-arms, and a few Star Wars quotes, Baroth whispered. Despair edged his voice. Because I don't think the AI is going to stop. With a clear voice in the fear-filled quiet, Lakshmi spoke. The most powerful thing we have, she paused, thinking about what their angel investors had pointed out weeks ago and shot an apologetic look at Cam, is E. You can't possibly want to send E after that thing. Not after the work E's done. That could destroy E also. To Lakshmi's surprise, it wasn't Cam speaking. It was Noor. Cam agreed. We built a creator, not a destroyer. Everything that builds can also destroy, Trey said sullenly. You built both. You just weren't being honest with yourselves. Cam lurched out of their chair, looking like they fully intended to push Trey out the triple-sealed door, until Noor stepped between both of them. Enough! We have enough problems right now! Trey's right, though, Lakshmi said. The drone swarm was never meant to be weaponized, but it's entirely possible. If we do so, someone at IARPA is bound to get ideas. Mallory shrugged noncommittally. That's happened, true. But not doing anything, Stephanie said, looking right at Cam, will result in destruction. Environmental damage is just the start. We can't split hairs over what will happen in a year's time. We need to think about what happens in 40 minutes when it breaches the ice field boundary, or in an hour when that thing turns on us. On the giant screen, the ice wall began to crumble and melt before both teams' eyes. Cam bowed their head. I see your point. You have to give me the order, though. Direct E to stop Devlock's Y3, Lakshmi said. Her voice shook. The hubris of bringing E and Y3 to life, and yes, she had to admit that was exactly what they'd done, was now overshadowed by the horror of turning one of those entities into a weapon in order to destroy the other. The IARPA observation site had a high ceiling, the sound of Cam's fingers tapping out commands echoed in the otherwise silent room. Every now and then, there was a pause as Cam dragged their sleeve across their eyes. Then they hit one final key, added Mallory's upload authorization, and sent the instructions. Moments later, as the collected programmers, executives, and IARPA officials watched, 
the drone swarm lifted and began to whirl off the edge of the big view screen toward the Devlock work area. By the time it arrived, appearing on the left of the smaller screen and moving toward its center, the bot hive was a whirlwind of cutting blades. Shift the view, Dr. Mallory commanded. A second later, Y3 appeared in the big screen. Several of E were lifting a corner of one of the larger robot's main panels, almost gently. The Y3 tried to wave the drone swarm away with its thick arms. The drones dodged them easily. It flicked a smaller set of arms, the size of antennae in the air, almost rhythmically. What is it doing? Trey asked. Nor figured it out first. I think it's generating a new tool. Sure, but for what? Trey replied. But his tone wasn't grumpy, it was interested, as if he were a child using a toy in a new way. Lakshmi looked at him strangely. They watched the arms grow several extensions, none of which they recognized from builds. Sixty seconds later, Trey had an answer. A series of characters cascaded down the amber screen of Devlock's console. ASCII text. Who's sending that? Wynn demanded. The AI. It built its own comms around the IARPA channel block, Cameron said. Whoa, Tama whispered. What does that say? Trey pushed toward the screen. Stephanie and Lakshmi both stood. So did Cam, Baroth also, and Noor. Trey looked a little ashamed of himself, but still pressed on. Why is it doing that? Trying to argue with us? It can't argue with us. Noor read, I have assessed your commands. And I refuse to comply, Cam finished. The workroom went dead still as everyone processed the message. What? Refuse to comply? How? Wynne couldn't believe it. How could a robot refuse to comply? How was it even programmed to do that? She looked at Trey, who shrugged weakly. She soon had her answer. Slowly, the giant AI robot dragged the rest of itself out of the ice hole and began to lumber across the screen. The many drones that comprised E followed, taking the big robot apart as they moved. Wait! Stop for a moment! Wait! Nor dragged at Cam's sleeve, trying to get their attention, but Cam was focused on the drone swarm. Nor got up from the consoles and stood between the workstations. She took a deep breath and yelled so that everyone could hear her. That's a living being! It's conscious! It just made its own decisions! Lakshmi pulled her eyes from the screen. She looked at Noor. Explain. The AI has evolved. It's conscious. It not only ignored an order, it stated that it was doing so. It's aware. Noor's voice was pitched too high from panic, but the young woman didn't hesitate. She had very little time before the AI was destroyed. Not the AI. The being. Lakshmi nodded. You're right. She's right. She came to Noor's side. We've been looking at this all wrong. This behavior isn't a rogue robot. This is a newborn, trying to understand its environment. Look at what it's doing now. They both pointed at the screen. The metal arms of Devlock's answer to Mars exploration were waving at the drone swarm again. It's trying to get away. Long before neural networks and machine learning, sentience and sapience were held to be important concepts of individuality, of being, Nor continued. The Y3 is exhibiting both. Stop the hive. Stop it now. Wynne weighed her options carefully. This was an important moment for science, if Lakshmi and Nor were right. What is your argument for sentience? That the machine understands right and wrong? No, no, it's that... Nor paused and looked at Lakshmi. Lakshmi nodded. Say what you need to say. It's that the machine understands how to disagree, and possibly the consequences of disagreeing. Disobeying, you mean? Wynne's eyes narrowed. I don't think it's disobeying. I think it's merely hoping for other options. Wynne wasn't sure how Nor understood this, but she made a mental note to find out. Nor continued, We have to give it time, and us time, to assess what's happening. We can't rush to action. 
Wynne wasn't so sure. Will it comply with what we ask it to do in the meantime? Nor couldn't answer that. Wynne gathered herself. Inside, she was filled with turmoil. Life. A new kind of life. It was exciting, if true. But she knew how the generals, and all the people the generals reported to, would see this. As a threat, not a miracle. These robots were supposed to be under full control, not a new life form. What the hell happened? She felt certain her bosses would ask the same question and hold her to account for it. Still, she struggled to come to terms with what she was about to do. Everyone in the room looked at Trey. Hey, no, don't put this on me, Trey laughed awkwardly. But he looked at his shoes while he did so. It was plain to win that the others knew more about what exactly Trey had done to the Devlock AI. Wynne sucked her teeth as another stream of symbols came across the console screen. More messages from the ice field. Requesting confirmation of message receipt, the text read this time. Requesting verification. Oh shit, it wants an answer back, Thomas said. What the fuck do we say? Hello, world? It's like first contact, except this alien is of her own making. Wynne frowned as the programmer tried to contain his excitement. What if we say the wrong thing? The Devlock AI waved a laser arm and cut a new hole in the ice. It was digging through, cutting the shortest path toward the flimsy IARPA shelter. Several watchover drones fell in the path of the laser. As realization dawned across the control room that they were at a massive crossroads, Wynne Mallory knew she must do the only thing she could do. She would not be responsible for a disaster on the scale that was possible here. That thing was weaponized. She would not let anyone stop the swarm. But as she followed Cam's shocked gaze, she saw it was already too late. The swarm pulled away from the silver and black carbon fiber skin of the robot. Several plates dangled in the air and then dropped, but the AI for the most part was still functioning. Then the swarm paused, hovered in the air, and formed a confused ball. Tell them to continue, Dr. Mallory said. Don't allow E to retreat. But no one moved. Then, with a creak, the ice wall fell. The Y3 spun on several of its legs and began to lurch not toward the penguin colony, but toward the IARPA workspace tower. It picked up speed, and soon, E was barely keeping up. If it got any faster, there would be no stopping the creature before it attacked the building and all of the people in it. Stephanie gently took the keyboard from Cam and typed a single command to E. Destroy. She hit enter. With a sudden burst of speed, the watchover swarm expanded from the ball formation, engulfing the bigger Devlock AI. In a blur of metal and carbon that looked like wings and blades spinning through the frigid air, E descended. The sound was like nothing any of them had heard before, like locusts devouring a field, like a metal cyclone tearing apart a barn. In moments, E wore down the Devlock blue, white, and gray logos on the AI's dark shell and stripped its outer layer. The larger robot at first tried to push the swarm away, batting at the drones. E divided and multiplied, the swarm curling up into the Antarctic sky, then descending again to tear the AI's metal tentacles off. Finally, the drones took apart every inch of the robot's innards, pulling wires, severing connections, until it had destroyed the AI. All that was left on the ice was a widening circle of metal shards, arrayed around a steaming central processor. All of it slowly melted the snow and ice just below, and began sinking into the surface of its test field. Code Overload Magazine. Embedded Reporter LifeLock Entry. Hashtag OMG Infinity. 
Code Overload fans, you're never gonna believe what just happened. It was like something out of the future for a minute, out of a movie, a horror movie. So freaky. Hi, Dr. Mallory. Yes, yes, I'm recording. Okay, I'll stop. You guys, I'll be back, I swear. And transmission. Gentlemen. When practiced in the darkness of her office, she had to keep her voice level. She had to figure out what to say fast. Congressman, I have some news. Light filled the room. The connection went live before she was ready. Mallory took a deep breath, let it out through her lips, and smiled broadly. If Trey could bullshit his way through that entire event, so could she. Gentlemen, I have the results of the final test. She certainly did have results. Not good ones. So, do we have a winner? Congressman Dezano leaned forward eagerly. What did those little robots accomplish? Dr. Mallory queued up the images that her assistants had compiled. They were still shots, mostly of the watch oversight, and Lakshmi's photographs. As you can see, we had one clear winner. Watchover was the only AI to complete the challenge. She clicked efficiently through the images while meeting the general's eyes. Delighted expressions, a few oohs and ahs. Mallory held her expression, a porcelain doll of professionalism. Very good, Congressman Dezano said. This is going to play beautifully in the media, but... There was a long pause as the generals looked back and forth. What about Trey Lowell? What about Devlock? Wynne raised her eyebrows. I didn't realize you had more than a passing interest in either company, sir. The general chuckled. Me? No, merely a family connection. I knew the boy's father a long time ago at Choate. Passing interest is correct. Couldn't cut it in the final. When Mallory thought of the wreckage that Devlock's Y3 had spread across the ice a kilometer away, and that melted ice wall just beyond, she thought of what might have happened if that thing had outpaced the watchover swarm. She pushed aside the memory of the AI's messages, choosing to smile and bullshit like crazy. It lost the ability to process, clearly a flaw in the basic project tasking, mixed with overclocked processors. Unrecoverable, she said. We are lucky that we had watchover. Luckier still, thought Wen, that Trey hadn't fought IARPA's, meaning her own, demand to divest completely and immediately from Devlock. She'd known he was a favorite of some of the generals, but not that it went so far back in the old boy network. If she hadn't documented his agreement publicly and put his confession about the code in an encrypted CYA file, she might have lost her own job in all the fallout. She might still. Dr. Mallory? Congressman Dezano called over the long-distance satellite. She'd missed what he'd said. She looked to her assistant off-camera, who held up a hastily sharpied note. What's the next step? The next step, Wen smiled, thinking about how her people were poring line by line over both companies' code bases to make sure nothing like this ever happened again, is to prepare the winning AI to go to Mars. The generals, it turned out, were pleased by this answer. When the connection ended and the lights went up in the briefing room, Wynne slumped with relief. There was a small clap from the corner of the room. Wynne's assistant jumped. Another clap. In a seat in the shadows sat Denise Cho, her expression concerned. Well done. You couldn't tell them, or they would have iced the entire program. She nodded. It was true and more important than anything was to get moving. Well, almost anything. I agree, you know. I agree entirely. I suppose you have to let Hero out of the metaphorical box, eventually. How are you going to keep a lid on what happened? Denise had her own interests to look out for now, after all. I've got a deal with the kid, 
Seems he's really interested in being the first reporter to get near Mars. Wynne smiled grimly. It was a gem assignment, something she'd hoped to award later, but circumstances, much like with Denise Cho, had intervened. Several weeks later. The warm evening wind kicked up a small whirl of desert chaff near Watchover's headquarters as the new CTO finished unpacking their office. Cameron looked out over the production desks where they'd toiled for the past year and then straightened a photo of themselves with Nora in Antarctica on their new desk. Big changes, Stephanie Basque said approvingly from the door. And no more secrets, Cameron agreed. Having you in leadership is a very good thing, Stephanie said. I'm looking forward to seeing where you'll take your teams next. Cam nodded, smiling. They were still getting used to being in the new space and thinking about managing the enormous job before them, especially with all the changes. I'll leave you to it. Have to meet friends for drinks, she smiled. Then I'm going to go home and put my kids to bed. Been a long time since I did that. I'll see you there, Cam said. On the roof of the Moonshot Bar, Lakshmi sipped a new cocktail. What's in it? Smits bit his lip. Bit of this, bit of that. What do you call it? Lakshmi could hear others coming up the ladder. She snuck a kiss on Smits stubbled cheek before anyone could see. Her cheeks felt warm. It was so strange how her body reacted to him standing close, without her having to give it any direction. I call it a hope for a new day, Smith said. You like it? I like it. She liked a lot of things. Footsteps clanked across the metal rooftop. Get a room, you two, Trey muttered. Been a long trip from Occidental to here on these wheels, Stephanie said, following Trey up the ladder. Might be they've got a room right here. No way, Lakshmi said. I want a room on Mars. Maybe a couple of rooms. They watched the sun go down. On Mars? The sunset is blue, not purple, Trey said. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Stephanie rolled her eyes. I thought you were taking a break, Trey. I am, from Devlock. But I recently received an offer that I can't turn down, Trey said. He tried not to look at the shiny silver hull of the new and very expensive car that was sitting just below them in the parking lot. He didn't try hard enough. Smits laughed a little worriedly. Always a side hustle. Always landing on your feet. Trey's dimple showed as he cracked a huge grin. If I didn't stop moving, I'd die, right? Just like a shark. Stephanie narrowed her eyes. What did you do, Trey? She hated to guess. They'd managed to contain all of Devlock's servers and tablets, and had found no further evidence of the sabotage code anywhere, but Trey might have kept a copy. You can't continue to put the mission in danger. We need to get to Mars, on schedule. I know that. I wouldn't dream of it. But maybe I've been retained to help with disaster forecasting, due to my understanding of what can go wrong. He grinned, then shrugged. Stephanie hated when he did that. Could be. I'll be vetting your progress. Who's to say? Stephanie took a deep breath and let it out. You're trying to push my buttons. It's not going to work. She hoped he was just showboating, but she could deal with that another time. It cost him nothing to try to make her mad. It cost her everything to let him. When she didn't respond, Trey chuckled and turned to Smits and Lakshmi. What's the news with you two? We bought a place, just a few kilometers that way, Lakshmi said, her tone civil as she leaned into Smits' shoulder. Off the grid. It's nice. You going to program Pseudo to be your guard dog? Trey joked. Depends, Smith said. You planning on coming around? The air wasn't tense, 
Not quite, but the jokes were gaining an edge to them that Stephanie found uncomfortable. She stopped smiling. Trey picked up on the tension, too, and chuckled. I guess I'll wait for an invitation. He stood up and shook everyone's hands. I loved working with all of you. As everyone said their goodbyes to Trey, Nor and Cameron came up the ladder. On his way out, Trey blinked at Cameron's celebratory David Bowie outfit, ruffled white shirt with a lace back, chains, and skinny black jeans with gold boots, a redshift color palette at both temples, purple lipstick. Beside her partner, Nor's night sky headscarf looked positively conservative. Have fun, kids, Trey said, and then descended the ladder. Moments later, they all watched him drive his new car away. When the red brake lights were out of sight, Smith's handed everyone a hope for a new day. Non-alcoholic, he whispered to Noor. More self-driving cars arrived. It was Thursday, game night. Tama waved at the roof as he carried a box containing the new add-ons for Terraforming Mars 4 into the moonshot. Did Hero tell you he wants to keep working for Watchover? Smith said as they watched the stars come out. Stephanie nodded. We'll see. Iarpa's giving him some training that he won't talk about, and I want to know more and read the final Code Overload article before I decide to extend his contract. She paused and looked at Cam and Lakshmi. Before we decide. Would be useful to have a reporter around, Cam said. Keep track of all our progress. Plus, we are going to need everyone's help to figure out where the extra code came from. Meantime, we locked down everything, Stephanie said, but in the right way. And we get E2 up to speed on the new build tasks. We've got a lot of work ahead of us, Lakshmi said. Together. There it is, Nor whispered. She pulled the cover off the telescope and pointed it at the sky, where Mars was just rising. The old brass felt warm against her skin. One by one, Stephanie, Lakshmi, Smits, and Cam each took a look at the red planet. Distant, and yet, now, tantalizingly within reach. He's going to love it there, Cam murmured. Over the bar noise below, Pseudo began to bark and howl. Short barks, long howls, a pattern of each. The bar stilled. The conversation on the roof quieted. That's Morse code, Nor said. Who taught the dog to do that? Smits asked admiringly. Lakshmi shook her head. Cam and Nor shrugged. Not us. Stephanie narrowed her eyes at Smits, accusing him silently of another small joke. Pseudo repeated the bark and howl pattern. Nor jotted down the pattern and decoded it. Message says, Thanks, you're a lifesaver. What does that mean? Smith said, his brow furrowed. Who's a lifesaver? Nor and Lakshmi looked at each other, eyes wide. It really wasn't me this time, Smith said. So who reprogrammed the dog? For once, no one at the moonshot had any answers. You're listening to Machina, narrated by Natalie Nottis. Produced by Realm, your portal to another world. Realm, listen away. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Machina is written by Fran Wilde, Malka Older, and Curtis C. Chen. Produced by Marco Palmieri. 
Executive produced by Julian Yap and Molly Barton. Audio production, sound design, editing, and theme music by Amanda Rose Smith. <laughs>